Well, welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuysNetsDaily.com. And I just got a Washington Post alert that says Jeff Sessions has resigned. Brian. Wow. <laughs> Live wow. breaking news on the pod. How are you feeling today, Brian? Do you need, do you need to go somewhere? Do you have to? Did your, <laughs> did your pager go off? <laughs> I probably will have to do a bunch of stuff. Uh, Brian. The day yeah. after uh, midterms, we figured we'd give people a uh, delicious little pod to dig over after the voting. I guess that's what I we're didn't doing. watch a single second of news coverage of anything to do with my country or its direction. <laughs> I only watched Nets v Suns because that's what I'm about. All right. I was the opposite. I was working all last night at my news radio station that I work at. Um, yeah, I'm I'm done. I'm tired. I don't want to hear about polls you, or voting anymore. I want to talk you about look basketball. Gassed. You want to talk about the 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 backdoor cutting that Karis <laughs> Levert and Spencer Dinwiddie was was doing all night last night on on the Phoenix Suns. All right, so just give me so obviously so we're recording this on Wednesday. This is after the Suns game. It was a 9 p.m. tip here on the East Coast. What did you see? What did you what what can what can you tell me about the game that I need to know right now? You know, it's funny. I'm watching the replay of the game right now um, on the Suns feed, mm-hmm. um, and the they have a little uh, banner thing that comes up that says Brooklyn Nets are wearing black, Suns are wearing white. It's like, <laughs> that's that's the kind of what's going on in Phoenix. Anyways, um, so hot takes from the game. We look amazing. Um, <laughs> we are actually potentially a really good team. We um, did all of the things that we hadn't done going forward or in previous games in the season um we looked like we were about to get cough up a lead in the third quarter and then instead we just decided to stomp down on them and uh and breeze to a 20 point win um the way that we did it too was amazing it was all in like fancy backdoor cutting and like we just took it right at deandre ayton's face and uh just drove away night like I don't know. We, we should pull this up, but statistically, we have to be in the top like five or at least ten in points in the paint right now for for the season. Um, if you keep talking, like I will pull it up. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the one thing that seems to be really jumping off, at least not if not the page, then the screen to, to my eye, um, because it seems like everything is going through uh, just probing the paint at this point. Um, but I mean, like. To to like I'm being hyperbolic, but like we actually did look really great, and I do think it's really possible that we could we could maintain this level. Just like a few games under 500, I did not think that was going to be a realistic projection, but I'm starting to become a believer. A um, couple of things are happening that I didn't super account for. Levert, we have potentially drafted an elite wing player for the first time in <laughs> Nets history, uh, and it's a difference of. Of a lot of things, obviously, there's a whole new skill set that's on display in that he's just like making really difficult shots. But it's a demeanor thing. It's a mentality thing. Um, the guy wants the ball. He's. Uh, I was reading um, Jim McCormick's article on the um, ESPN Fantasy page about Karis Levert's uh, what, like, why you should be encouraged to if you haven't picked him up, why you should. Um, and the reasons are just his the you know the amount of touches he gets per game is huge. His usage rate is huge, um, and his shots are up fifty percent. He takes fifty percent more field goal attempts. Um, just everything seems to suggest that this is going to be a trend that continues, if not increases. Um, so that is I'm, I'm bullish this morning, this afternoon about these netties, Mike. 
And then, I mean, so we were joking about this yesterday where I was like going through basketball reference and looking at who was at the top of what leaderboards. And Joe Harris, before last night, was shooting 60% from three. I think what it was, he won for six last night or something. So mm-hmm. obviously he was knocked off a tad. Now he's third in the NBA with 55%. Not sustainable, right? Statistically, not sustainable. But I think like Karis LeVert is because yeah. – has not really relied on the three, even though he's shooting, I think, decently well from three this year. Um, he's doing everything that um, can be repeatable over any course of the game, unless if he has like an elite defender on him. Um, so, I, he's, I don't. He's wanna, also. I almost oh, don't want to go too crazy though. Like I can't. Like I can't. Like so we got. So we got this tweet. I, I don't know if you saw it. We had uh, someone tweeted at us a comparison of Carisvert at his age with like. Kawhi Leonard, Paul right. George, right. and those are fun tweets uh, to look at, like the statistics of, like, Karis LeVert is averaging 24 points, and he's doing this many assists, this many rebounds, and he's better than all those guys at that age, but it's, what are we? We are 11 games into the season, which actually is, you're entering into decent sample size territory at that point, because that's, you know, more than 10% of the season, but... Um, when is good sample size? Like, has has anyone ever come down? Any any of these analysts ever like been like, okay, this is enough. This is officially enough to, to make a <laughs> you know like, what educated it is? guess. It's like three years. It's honestly yeah. <laughs> right. Like, right? right. It's like not even. It's not even a full season. You'll have people yeah. tell you like, oh, he had a wonky shooting year for a full year, and you're like, well, screw yeah. you. I like, always think of those like really look at anything. Did we talk about that? Maybe was this with you recently on the show, or I can't remember, but um, I think about Avery Bradley's one season where he was good at rebounding. Like, I think about that <laughs> all the time. Like, how is that possible? Like, it's also such a weird skill to suddenly be, like, quadrupling your production in. Right. Um, how 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 is that possible? <laughs> Why did that happen? Yeah, those kinds of things. Um, so, like, so, yeah, every discussion you can have about statistics, like, going forward, and I have some fun stats for everyone here that is listening uh, coming up later in the show. But, like, okay, I, I think in my head, 15 to 20 games into the season, 20 games is a quarter of the season. Um, if you're at 20 games and you're doing what, let's say Karis LeVert is doing the exact same thing that he has been doing, we can safely have a discussion about what that, like, 100% means. You yeah. know what I mean? But, like, well, I'm, yeah. I'm afraid because I don't want to jinx this. This is There's... such a gorgeous thing that is happening in front of our eyes on a now, you know, bi-nightly basis. There's a contextual element to this data that you also need to bring into play, right? Because, you know, a guy in his, what, third year um, at his age with his skill set, um, that that data says something different than if, like, Vince Carter at 40 had a similar, you know, string of games, right? Like, there's there's a, a context to all this stuff that you need to pull in. So, like, yeah, if you're a guy in his ninth year and you're putting up those numbers, it, it means a whole different thing, right? Yeah, and that and that's why we have to like, and I, you know, you were doing it in, in the right way, and we'll keep doing that. Is that like that's why you, it's important to watch the basketball games and look beyond the numbers because the way he is doing it and getting those numbers is our again repeatable basketball skills. It's athleticism getting to the hoop and then patience while getting there and doing like the stutter step type stuff and doing the pump fakes and that those things will end up continually working no matter sort of what happens to his outside shooting over there. He just doesn't really rely on outside shooting to the degree that you would think a guy who's elevated his game to this level. It's almost Oladipo-ish compared mm-hmm. to last year. I mean, they're different players. Oladipo's shorter, probably more, like, naturally athletic, like, fully athletic. 
but like Levert has decent to pretty good athleticism combined with really good length and like intelligence. It's all that beautiful, delicious mix. Um, and it's so funny, like, you know, classically we went back to last season where I was advocating for Jabari Parker for Karis Levert. Um, this season we had a lot of people basically saying, why don't they just give up Karis Levert and get Jimmy Butler? That was like a strong discussion. Now, I mean, there's no, sh- I mean, <laughs> there's no. no way you're going to give up Karis Levert for Jimmy Butler, especially with what what's happening with Jimmy Butler and his attitude problems like in Minnesota. So, and we'll see that, you know, coming up pretty soon. Yeah. Another thing to mention too is the fact that Lavert is seems to be a legit two way player. Like he made Devin Booker sweat for twenty last night, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and was like really getting under his skin. There was one of my favorite one was there was a pretty like you know uh, highlight reel worthy block, and Devin Booker gave a little kick to the seat after after it happened, which is in his like you would never do this consciously because it's just it appears so butthurt. Um, and the fact that he involuntarily had to kick the seat was, it was just really juicy. Um, but yeah, so like my, my take on Levert right now is that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so, so cautiously optimistic, but honestly, I can't help it anymore. It's just like overflowing, you know, it's happening and I can't be, I can't, you know, tamp down this giddiness much longer. Like it's not, it's not, you know, I can't do it. Are you allowing yourself to love Brian? Are you opening yourself up to the the love of Levert, the window of Levert? Another thing that I'm starting to love, too, is Spencer Dinwiddie. Well, I have always loved Spencer Dinwiddie, but what I like most is that he seems to really relish any play where he scores and it deflates the other team. It's just like there's 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 uh, there was a couple of plays last night in like the third quarter where, you know, they're getting back into single digits. We'd been mostly winning all night. And then, you know, there'd be like a, uh, a a turnover or something. And then the Suns would turn the ball right back over and, and Spencer Dinwiddie would like heave a, you know, 40 foot three and, and just suck the air out of the room. Um, he seems to like he's tapped into his Vegeta ness in a like really perfect way, um, and is and is wa- and wants the ball at those moments. And it's really great to see that like one of our players is just a pure like gunner for for deflation, you know, <laughs> moments. What do you make of Dinwiddie's uh, demeanor after hitting big shots? His nonchalantness. I, I yeah, that's know all, that's all part of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, the calculated nonchalantness. Are you pro yeah. or anti, or what is your what are your general feelings? It has that? to be that way. He has to be. He's an antagonist by nature. You know, that's that's who he is. And uh, yeah, it's it's it'll it'll start to upset people. It'll it'll trigger people more as he does it more. Um, but yeah, he's he's on his way to being like an, a really annoying player to play against. And he's in a contract year here, which so we got to be careful. Yeah, it is pretty because we're entering this like there's a point coming up. What is it like? Uh, I think it's like a week from now. Basically, they can offer him an extension. I gotta, I'll look up the date later. But like, yeah, they're right. Do you know? Do you know off the top of your head? Sorry, say it again. It broke up a little. Uh, do you know if like when they can offer Dinwiddie an extension? I think it's I like know. that's not the kind of thing I know. Yeah, I think it's like coming up like now. Basically, like it's a week from happening right now. Yeah. Um, I'll look it up. Blah 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 blah. Who cares? Anyways. They're entering this weird point where, like, D'Angelo is where he is right now. And, like, we had that conversation with the point guard power rankings. And you sort of, as you always, you kind of spot the trend before it develops. Like, Shabazz Napier it was playing better in the past few games than, like, D'Angelo was in terms of his role and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, Dinwiddie is playing better than, than D'Angelo. And Lavert's playing better than D'Angelo. And I put Lavert in the power, power point guard power rankings but 
Like, the can you make the decision where you resign Dinwiddie and resign D'Angelo? Like, is it either or, or can you like? Is there a world of which the Nets sign both to a certain extension? Um, Dinwiddie seems like the kind of dude. You know, he's very into Bitcoin, Brian. I don't know if you've read all about that, but he's very into <laughs> Bitcoin. Uh, he seems like the kind of guy who is not going to be motivated to just take a contract from the Nets like right now. I could be like completely wrong. Like, maybe he thinks. No, yeah, I think he, whatever he's going to do is going to be unorthodox. That that just feels like a natural thing for him to do. He's going to be playing 3D chess and he's going to be the one that wins, you know, in the end. And like, so... And I'm trying to keep, I keep trying to think about in my head, like, what, what then is that, like, what does Spencer Dinwiddie want to do? Like, does he think I should probably actually lock down money now because I hadn't really made a ton of money in my career and, like, might as well make money now, then I can invest and buy more Bitcoin? Or is it I need to go to free agency just because I know for a fact that once I get to free agency, my price is going to go up by 20, 30% just for so many teams needing probably a point guard and him having money? But the Nets just have, like, Marks has a really tough decision he's going to have to make. Also considering if he really wants to get these, like, max free agents, one or two, or get a max, and then another guy who's, like, $15 million a year. It's like, signing Dinwiddie and D'Angelo, then you're entering a world where you're like, oh, we actually don't have as much money. We maybe have money for one max guy, but, like, does one max guy want to come within that team? It's it's like... We're, we're, we're approaching a real, like... A d- a difficult decision where it's like, do we just want to run it back with this squad at some point? You know, like the growth has been so exponential over the last three years. It's worth considering just, hey, let's keep this party going. You know, we're five and six right now. We have no business being, I mean, we have business being there. And that's and that's a, a new paradigm, right? Like we're, we're now, we're approaching a time where we're knocking on the door of the playoffs in a very serious way. And if there's another year of growth and Levert adds more skills and, and D'Angelo Russell, like, increases just ever so slightly to the point where we need him to be it's worth considering just running it back because who else is really out there i mean uh we can talk about this but you know there's recent conversations about this auto porter thing um with Stop. with your with your whiz um they still like him like they still like him that's what the i only, hear the only way you do auto porter so like the, there's a discussion out there that like the wizards are super desperate because they suck and they are have they three. are they desperate enough for Alan Crabb? <laughs> Do yes. they want Crabb for Porter? That's the only <laughs> equation that it works out. The Wizards have three max contract guys. Uh, John Wall's about to be entering his super max, which is like thirty five a year, going up to forty a year, which is insane. And he looks horrible, um, like generally horrible. Um, like his like his body looks horrible, right? Yeah, and Otto Porter's like the guy that people are saying could be flipped because there are teams that would want him regardless of how big his contract is because he shoots threes really well could could marks do essentially marks you know i always bash the alan crab trade but like one element i conveniently leave out is the andrew nicholson part of it is that marks took on andrew nicholson to get the jared allen pick he traded bogdanovich and took on nicholson to get the jared allen pick then he took nicholson and his bad contract and flipped it for crab so essentially, the Nets are paying Crab twelve million a year because Nicholson was making eight million a year. Then, if he d- takes Crab and flips it to Otto Porter, Otto Porter's making like five million more than Alan Crab, I think, at this point. Is out is then you expand it even further? 
But I don't know if the Wizards are going to want out Alan Crabb back. I mean, what was he last night? I think he had another bad shooting night, like four yeah, it's for not good. 15 or something. But I'm sure the idea would be, so how many It's how many more years on uh, on Otto Porter's contract than Alan Crabb? Are you, are you saving time-wise, or is it the same amount of time? I think it's more time. I think there's more time right. on Porter's so contract. So that's, that's the exchange. You're, you're trading an extra year or two, and then you probably package Crabb with something appealing. Um Right, I mean that's it. You're 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 trying to get out of a few extra years of paying this guy twenty two million dollars, and I think you know the Nets still think that Otto Porter can can redeem himself ultimately. I get I know you've been pretty low on him, and, and I don't watch. I wouldn't dare watch as much Wizards basketball as you. <laughs> but <laughs> I, dude, I've turned it off. This I just can't do it to myself because it's so it's so depressing. But, but Dwight's to watch. back, dog. Come on, Dwight. Dunking around, I know. People. Actually, that's the sad thing is like uh, the Wizards actually needed Dwight, and that's like never a sentence you want to say for any fan base. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, like an auto porter would work out for this team, he'd be better than Alan Crabb. And if you could do a straight flip of Alan Crabb for auto porter, um, that does make some sense. I'm not saying it's like a complete debacle, uh, because you go from a guy who, let's be frank, isn't is actually being an is now a negative. Alan Crabb is a negative when he's on the floor to Otto Porter, who would be a pretty big positive. Like he would play. And, and it's also, he'd play Jared Dudley's position. We have a log jam at, at once, especially when Damari Carroll comes back. Like, how do we make time for Alan Crabb? Um, you know, at the wing, right? It's really tough. <laughs> no, I didn't even think about that. That like, well, you know, but Alan Crabb would still be out there, could be out there with Damari, but then it, it's, it does cut into the Alan Crabb minutes in some way. Like the wing, if whenever Damari plays the three, Alan Crabb would have to play. I love how it's always Alan Crabb. Alan Crabb would have to play the two. And then you're like, you have no ball handling from your two position. You just have a guy who just shoots threes and that, and who, who can't hit them. You have, you have rip Hamilton. who can't make his shots. That's what you have. Um, it's a slightly interesting discussion and something that like, it's worth monitoring the Otto Porter, Alan Crabb flip. The thing is, I still think the Wizards would hold out for like more because it's just teams like the Kings that would take Otto Porter and give up something okay for Otto Porter. Like, there's a, there are other teams out there. Maybe even the 76ers would consider buying into Otto Porter, giving up like Wilson Chandler and something else. Because if you put Otto Porter on that team, it makes a lot of sense. I don't know though. I, I would rather suck it up. And take an, one more season of Alan Crabb, and then that being off your books, then like consuming more money and more years for a guy who would help you, but not he wouldn't like elevate you to a level of, of like definite playoff basketball. I don't think he moves the needle enough, but you know, whatever. Uh, you know who doesn't move the needle, Brian? Who? Sad boy Ryan Anderson. <laughs> Dude, what is going on with him now? He 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 played. He's been this way minutes. for a while. He played 22 minutes last night and shot the ball once, and it was the three yeah. pointer, and he missed 22 minutes. You know how hard it is to be on the floor, unless if you're Jared Dudley, and not shoot the ball ever, like not just not be a factor out there offensively. That is, I I don't I think Ryan McDonough was fired after that trade, but that's like I know they got rid of Brandon Knight or whatever. And they yep. gave up Marquise Chris, and Marquise Chris is, you know, he maybe nothing. But taking any of Ryan Anderson at this point is just an insane proposition. Um, sad boy Ryan Anderson. Oh, my gosh. Where have you been? But he'll probably be in that, you know, next Do you season. want me to parlay that into a relevant um, thing from an email that we get? Absolutely. 
So here's from Cherboy, big time friend of the show, Matt Parker, um, who we should she get in touch with Matt again. I miss I miss Matt. Um, so let's let's connect. Anyways, uh, he s- sent us a link to the NBA trade machine, Mike, which I know mm. you love mm. to to traffic in. Um, so here's here's the deal that he gives us. Right, um, it's Nets. Timberwolves, Rockets. This is a Jimmy Butler deal. Don't uh-huh. worry, we're not getting Jimmy Butler in this deal. Oh, good. Um, so <clears throat> here's here's the here's what we get. Here's what Minnesota gets. Here's what Houston gets. Nets. Uh, Gorgie Yang. Mm-hmm. Gorgie, mm-hmm. gorgeous boy. Brandon Knight, Marquise Chris. Minnesota gets Damari, Kenneth Fareed, D'Angelo Russell. Houston gets Jimmy Butler. Do you do that trade? And I imagine we'd be getting them the first round picks. Let's see what what Matt has stipulated. So it's not shown here, but the Nets get those four first rounders. Houston is reportedly offering for Butler. Houston also gets to dump Knight and Chris contracts. They don't want the Wolves get out of the Butler um, and get to dump Jang. Plus gain three players who can help them win now. Plus the option to keep D'Angelo long term if they want to. The Nets get four freaking first round pits! Exclamation point. To trade, pair with their own picks to move up or just use themselves. Plus three salary dumps who the Nets get to try to turn into valuable players like they did with Dudley and Carroll. Um, Nets downside, lose cap flexibility, still have room for one max player who we aren't going to get anyways, lose Russell. Nets upside, we effectively reverse the Billy King deal. This seems like a big win. Uh, Matt Parker, it should be known, has been vocal on Twitter, an anti-D'Angelo person and a <laughs> Spencer Dinwiddie person. I've Don't worry, I've been clocking you from a mile away, Matt. Um so anyways, but that's neither here nor there, uh, Mike. Yes, I do that. Yes. <laughs> really? I, I think it's insane the amount of runway that Daryl Morey's been given to when the, it's been put out there that he's offering four first-round picks. And you can't protect him. In, you just can't protect him in any way that would save you um, from embarrassment if those picks are bad because you can only trade first-round picks within seven years, and they have to be – they cannot be in consecutive years. And you can't put like a protection on it in a way of like, if this pick is not, if this pick is below 20, Houston gets to keep it, but then they'll give it a second round pick because no one will do that. No one would, no one would allow the the Rockets to put those protections on it. Like if the Nets could, what are the Nets giving up in that scenario? They're giving up D'Angelo Russell, which I'm not going to poo poo because like the whole enterprise that we started two years ago with that trade is built around D'Angelo Russell, regardless of Lavert taking off and Dinwiddie being really good and Jared Allen being like this hidden gem in the you know back half of the first round. D'Angelo Russell is still the you know the, the golden snitch of which the Nets are playing Quidditch, Brian. Um, <laughs> uh, he is still the the goal here, right? Like I still think he's the most talented guy on the team. Mm-hmm. I may be shading a little closer to Levert as I, like every game goes by, but like I still think D'Angelo is the most talented guy. They would be think, giving him up. Well, what, I think if anything, also Levert Levert's expanded role and his you know his his newfound uh, potential is is moving D'Angelo Russell towards like I need to do some stuff here. I need to I need to regain my spotlight. I, I think I saw that in his face. Do you? All right, when we I want to have that conversation later. But like basically, mm-hmm. this trade. Well, I, the conversation I want to have later is like, does D'Angelo moving to the bench help him? I know that's like such a basic uh, basketball boy conversation, but <laughs> it's sort of something that makes a lot of sense at this point. 
just to like mm-hmm. give D'Angelo full control of the ball with a unit that would probably could use his like scoring ability while I mean the the Nets are already finishing with Dinwiddie and Levert anyways. Like they're that's the the when we always talk about like what's your what's your ending five, not your starting five, but your ending five. D'Angelo's not on the ending five and he hasn't hasn't been this season and he he won't be unless he turns it around. But I know. You know, I was watching um clips of Deer and Fox last night. <laughs> okay. Um, and I was just like, oh my God, like how much more athletic that guy is than D'Angelo Russell is shocking. It's yeah, shocking. Yeah, but it's it's also like, so D'Angelo has like much more innate basketball ability than than most guys. And I know, it's just, it's just funny. I was just thinking about like, you know, I, you know, having watched some pretty slow moving point guards over the last couple of years for the most part, like, um, you know, we haven't had like one of those real explosive beat your beat your guy all the time point guards, um, like a lot of other teams have. It's just it'd be fun. It'd be fun if we did. You know, that's all. Yeah, with that, with Zion Williamson, that's all we need. Dude, did you see that clip from <laughs> no. last that was making the rounds no. last night? I know it's like which, I, so people what, who like, like which five clips are you talking about? They're ostensibly, like, people who I, and I keep having this argument with people like people who are like like basketball minds. And they were like, dude, stop. Zion Williamson is a meme. And I'm like, it, it, how? Why? Why is that a meme? He looks so good. What are you talking about? Like, yeah, and he, they just. He yeah. made that. Pa- there was a pass he made. So last night, Duke played Kentucky. It's something I recorded because I just wanted to take in all of what Duke has this season. They have. Everyone knows they have the top three players in college basketball, basically, top three freshmen in college basketball. Zion's on that team. And he made a pass where it, like. He was dribbling down the court, and he made, like, this gorgeous bounce bounce pass to a guy, like, shrieking into the paint. Like, it just, like, threw a couple of defenders. And it's like, I, that's all I need to see. I saw all the dunks. I know the athleticism. I know the body. Then he can make that pass. When you can make that pass, that shows that, like, at least he's he's a more athletic Draymond Green. Like, at least that. Well, I don't know defensively he, if he is, but, like, that's his body type. And he's just a freak. Oh, it's going to be so much fun to watch. Duke this year, even though it's like not a team I love to watch in general, but um, that's that's how I feel about the Lakers. I still feel that way. I know, I know. Javale McGee is so much fun to watch. All of a sudden, what the hell's going on here? Javale's always been like, uh, regardless of how much of a, a doofus he is, he's a fun basketball player. Like, and so much of the NBA now is about you know the space and threes and the Houston Rockets style of basketball, where guys will do some ISO. Or it'll be a pick-and-roll situation where guys are just standing at a three-point line. And we talked about this last time. Like, the Lakers are just – they're not that. And that's, like, really enjoyable to just see, like, oh, yeah, basketball can be played differently, even if it's not played that well, <laughs> even though they're losing and Luke Walton's about to be fired. It's, like, fun to see that. That's why Zion is such a mm. – yeah, I'm going to do this comparison. Zion is like Donald Trump of basketball, Brian, in wow. that – he is so different from what you are used to seeing within that landscape that it is shocking. Mm-hmm. Just good or bad, it's just shocking. It's like shocking to see that body type just care about dunking and just be that athletic and fast and just care about dunking. That's all he wants to mm-hmm. do. He just wants to yam on people, and I that's love how it. I f- that's how I feel in my heart. You know, that's I get it. We see eye to eye on that. And so, anyways, I don't understand those people that are poo pooing him. But moving on to our next emailer. Sean, good friend, a good friend of the show. Um, I'm going to a Nets game in Memphis in January. 
well, look at you. Pin a rose on your nose, Sean. Uh, I think I might bring my Nets gear and be a little belligerent. Any suggestions for the best way to rep your team while on the road? Um, so I've thought about this. I have sort of, I think I can think of two ways to troll people in this way. The one way is the way a Knicks fan might do it, which is to wear your, uh, I don't know, a Darren Williams jersey to the game with without any undershirt. You know, that's that's how... That's, <laughs> That's how, that's how a Knicks fan might do it. And it's and it really works. It's an obnoxious look and, and way to present yourself, and it's going to engender a lot of hatred for you. The way that I've done it in the past is I just don't go with any notable gear. And then I sort of like – I'll start talking to people around me, start making friends, and then slowly but surely reveal myself to be an enemy of theirs after they already like started to you know get along with me and we like you know started talking or whatever, and then just become – a proper antagonist after I've had, you know, five tall boys. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, and just, yeah. The, and like sort of, you know, slowly make them like reconsider their, their decisions about even like liking the team that they like. That's the thing, you know, like the, you gotta make them question their judgment in general as people. Uh, There's I, two ways of doing it. And I understand. I, I'm so, you know me, Brian, I'm so anti, like, I'm not anti-conflict. I'm just like anti, like, uh, I'm just so uncomfortable. Like I would be so uncomfortable making other people uncomfortable around me in a section. I'm completely yeah. like I don't wear the I don't. Wear yeah, my you're gear. you're antisocial in that way. But yeah, like yeah, if I find out something like you know I'll go to a Knicks game and find out that there's like a Knicks fan from New Jersey. Well, that's it. Like you're you're in my crosshairs because I know you've <laughs> you've made a terrible decision, and it was also a decision that was influenced by like a moment of time where you thought it was right and and it was wrong, and and you can you can you know pull from that. Um, there's a lot of you know you can do some intel on the people first, and then and then you can use that against them later. That's well, that's what I, that's the trick. Well, you and I in the preseason got a uh, tremendous look at. Uh, a, a, a fan who we were at the Knicks-Nets preseason game at Barclays. We were sitting about eight rows behind uh, a Knicks fan who <laughs> who was not ashamed, one, of being a Knicks fan. He was wearing a full tracksuit uh, and sunglasses indoors. <laughs> Respect to him. His girl mm-hmm. was wearing um, – what was she wearing? She was wearing like a – was it like one of those like Knicks like a jersey like – like roll up thingies or there were some shoes were in some Knicks. Element. There was like a belly, like Jersey situation thing going on. I forget exactly, but yeah, I, I think I know what you mean. Classy look, classy look. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting like, um, we were sitting in the section below where the Brooklyn brigade brigade is shout out to the Brooklyn brigade. And he, this Knicks fan was just yelling back at them. Every time the Knicks would score, every time, uh, Tim Hardaway would shoot the ball, he would turn back and look, he was mugging them. It was, it was what you would expect a Knicks fan to act like, and it was preseason basketball. And his girlfriend was actually very supportive, very supportive of him being a complete uh, jack butt during the game. Uh, that's not how I would operate. Going, to, I feel like going to Memphis though. I just don't know what the Memphis crowd is like. Like, I, it, it could go either way. Like. It could just be they could be nice. They could be like this nice southern city who are calm and like, oh yeah, you know, root on your team. Or it's probably more likely that they're they're very angry because they're grit and grind and they're gonna yell at uh Mr. Goodfriend. So 
uh, I would be so very that's, not, that's not even something I take into consideration you know once you <laughs> once you start making those having those thoughts you've already lost so you can't you can't think that way I, enc- I, enc- I encourage you not to <laughs> not to have those beta thoughts like Mike does um, and just go with your gut and troll whoever you see that's probably I mean pick a small person but yeah um, <laughs> you, you know you know what to do <laughs> anyways all right so the Nets are in like this like mini nice little run here like after that disgusting Knicks game that they lost got blown out by the Knicks. They win the overtime game against the Pistons. They had that unfortunate game against the Rockets. I mean, it's still the Rockets, even though James Harden wasn't there. But then they they dominated the 76ers, dominated the Phoenix Suns. They have a couple of days off, and then they have a back to get back against two of the best teams in the NBA this season, the Nuggets and Warriors. And then they have a day off on Sunday, and then they play another road game in Minnesota. Um, that's a stretch that if you're going to be honest, is very likely to be 0-3. If they win any of those games, I will be happy. Um, so we'll probably be back in your ears, you know, sometime after that Minnesota game to check back in. If they go 2-1, and one, though, Brian, we're Oh, you better it. believe we're potting. We're potting big time. Yeah, we're potting big time. Um, thank you all for listening. You can find us at netsdaily.com, at guys on Twitter. Go to iTunes, give us five stars if you haven't already. We love everyone that has have. That has so far. Everyone that hasn't, though, we hate you, and we admonish you for not giving us five stars on iTunes. Brian, Mike, it was great talking to you. Thanks for having me. Hey. Every time, it's I feel I feel really at home in your presence. You know. Yeah, I hear you. All right. Good Bye, night. everybody. Yeah, boy.